OdaFest listeners, and welcome to the newest episode of the podcast. This is Jay, and I've got Angelo and Nancy with me today. Hello! Hello! Uh, this is the November edition, the 1st of November. You had to think about is... that. And yeah, this is airing sure on did. the 4th of November. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've just finished our Extra Life Marathon, uh, which was yesterday. Um, we raised over a hair over 1,500 Canadian from our 12-hour charity gaming marathon for Extra Life. That's so over 100 hour. Yeah, it's actually Which oh wow, awesome. it, was, it was it was insane, surpassing our goal of one thousand dollars and supo- supporting sick children and their families at the Alberta Children's Hospital. Uh, the video on demand for Twitch will be up for thirty days on our Odafest archive, and if you're interested in adding a couple of bucks yourself, you can still head over to odafest.com/extra-life because you know how much every dollar counts towards such a meaningful cause. Thank you again for everyone who watched, came by, supported, and everyone who helped us on the back end streaming-wise. My partner, Bayfar, and just honestly, all the love that we got was amazing and totally worth uh, the grind, as it were. So how was it? It was good. It, we, we blasted through our goal. Everyone was, uh, we, we had some very active people in chat, which is always great. Uh, apparently we did really well in the game. The game is supposed to like for for a full playthrough, it's supposed to be about ten hours, ten and a half hours, and we blasted through it in about nine and a half. Oh, so you did um, actually finish the game? Yeah. Uh, some people even told us that like so, there were some people who were definitely coming by that I don't think were necessarily part of our uh, normal Odafest audience, but they wanted watch, to watch Soma being played. Nice. And mm. they told us that uh, things like. You guys really blasted through this part. Like this part is especially considered to be difficult, and mm. like they were like uh, in in when you first started the game. I think there's a hard mode as well, but there's either safe mode or normal mode, and we chose normal just because you know just regular playthrough. Oh, because you're and not they, babies. We're not babies. <laughs> you're uh, not babies. Shut up, Angelo. <laughs> but we were told that. Some of the parts that we did really well on in general were parts that some people had so much difficulty with, they created safe mode for it, apparently. Wow. And I was like, interesting. But at the same time, like that's that's like a little bit of a pride thing as like someone who plays games a lot and you know, I'd like to think that we're okay at games between Bayfar and I. But at the same time it's kinda like like to, it's nice to hear that a little bit and um succeed during the marathon. Uh, we finished, like I said, with about a few hours to go, about two and a half hours to go for the marathon. So we closed it out and played uh, a bunch of Jackbox games with the audience. So nice. that was great. I haven't gotten into Jackbox uh, for a while, and I haven't played the new one yet. I don't know if anyone else has. I have played Jackbox 7, and it is fun. Yeah, what, I've uh, heard it's pretty sturdy. It? Angelo? What was that? <laughs> What new things are in it? Uh, so the best game, absolute best game, undisputed best game in Jackbox 7 is a mini game called Champed Up. And uh, so it's okay. a drawing game. If you, if you remember the t-shirt game from, I think it was Jackbox 3, I don't even remember. Yep. TKO. Uh, it's very similar to that in that you are just drawing something. But mm-hmm. uh, whereas TKO, it left it a lot more open-ended, which actually I think made things harder. Uh, it almost gives you like a drawing prompt. So the idea is 
you are to draw the champion of a thing. Sometimes that champ, you are drawing the champion of cuteness or the champion of depression or the champion oh, of God. student loans or the champion of student loan forgiveness. But you are you are to draw this character of some random, the champion of some random subject. And then that gets sent off to another player. And they have no idea what that character is the champion of. So they have okay. to they have to use their big old brain and deduce what oh, they're no. trying to defend and how they are going to de- draw an underdog character to defeat it. Oh jeez. Mm. Yes. Oh, to geez. defeat that it? That sounds like hard. And so then then there's the face off where the audience votes on which character deserves to be the new champion of the thing. Is it the returning champion or is it the underdog? And it is just amazing. It is so ridiculously fun. And because it gives you the uh, the the drawing prompt to begin with, it's not like the t-shirt one where everyone's just drawing like big old things. Uh, I was about to say a word that I probably shouldn't say. Completely uh-huh. safe for work things. <laughs> not safe for work things. It turns Absolutely into, safe for work things. I mean, Only safe yes. for work I've things. I've still drawn so non-safe safe for work things and champed up, but at the very least, uh-huh. they were relevant to the to the prompt. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. Yes. Interesting. Uh, but so yeah, that is game. Uh-huh. that is absolutely the best game in in the Jackbox. Like other than that, mm-hmm. you've got Quiplash, which is always fun. Uh, oh, oh, there's a new one. Interesting. W- another one of the games that is really really good is uh, you have to present a, a speech based on a thing. So at the beginning of the round, everybody comes up with prompts on what to uh, create for a speech. And then you are delivered random prompts and you have to choose one. Mm-hmm. And you have to start giving a speech based on this prompt. But it's not just you. Another player becomes your assistant. And so mm-hmm. they start giving like uh, slides, like word slides and picture slides that you have to then roll into the meaning of your speech. It's like oh, no. it's like bullshitting practice mixed with public speaking 101. It is for some people absolutely terrifying. Yeah, but that if you have like teleprompter improv just enough liquor in you to oh, to lubricate dear. the wheels of your mind, it can be amazing. Why does everything feel extra lubricated in here? <laughs> extra <You> lubricated. Could... <laughs> There's never enough lube. There's oh boy! The but yeah, that's what that's what uh, Jackbox Seven is like. It is a thoroughly good time. Okay, I mean, generally Sounds they fun. are. There's there's always like a weak game or two in a Jackbox, but generally speaking, they're all fairly playable. And liking a game is also just very subjective. Like some people dominate at games and they make it really fun for everyone else to play. But if everyone's not feeling a certain game even though it might be a good game in theory, it's like, it really brings down, like, oh, we need to That's move on true. this game. Like, I absolutely so. love Madverse City, and I think it's Jackbox 5. I don't know. It's, it's mm-hmm. the robo- giant robot rap battle game. And that game mm-hmm. is amazing. But, with uh, the right people. With the right people, it's great. If mm-hmm. the people that you're playing with just aren't that into it, then it, it's it real just, sad. It, it just turns into a sad time. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah. Uh, speaking of which, did you guys do anything for Halloween proper? Because it was kind of a weird year. For so about that Jackbox. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> that lubricating alcohol. So I, I drank rum. I played Among Us and I played Jackbox with friends over Discord. That was the entirety of my Halloween. We did have a bowl of candy just in case any enterprising little plague carriers came to the door, but none did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We didn't get any kids at all. Doorbell didn't even ring. Only like, adults. Didn't even get like a mistake in case of, oh, the lights are on. Let's ring the doorbell like nothing. Wow. Right. But you're in an older neighborhood too, and not yes. like there. While there are schools there, they they the neighborhood itself may not have a lot of children. I don't actually know for sure. But anytime I've been in that area, uh, I've never seen a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. That's totally fair. Mm-hmm. Jay, uh, did anyone come to your apartment? Did well, you throw I candy went... down from your balcony at <laughs> passing by children? <laughs> Get out of the right children. My treats are my tricks. <laughs> uh, you do have a balcony. You could very easily just like sprinkle goods down on people below. Just yeah. just throw them and try to get them right between the I eyes. I could load. I have a BB <laughs> gun. I could load nerds or like gobstoppers into them and just be like, oh, take that. The problem is that you're too high up. You're like on the fifth floor or something. So by the yeah. time it gets to the to the f- sidewalk level, it won't have the momentum because of air drag. You you have to be the crazy guy with the full size chocolate bars. You right. have to be getting Ooh. them right in the face with that. Yikes! But the other thing so is because when you leave a bruise, doing, yeah. if if you if you leave a bruise, but they get a full size chocolate bar out of it, no one's going to complain. But no, what I ended up actually doing. Was I went to a friend's place. We, it was just four of us. We were just chilling, play, uh, watching really crappy movies. We nice. watched Hansel and Gretel, uh, like like witch hunters, uh, and I've actually Abraham, heard of that. Yeah, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. I absolutely love oh. that movie. That one's actually oh, not yes. a bad, not the worst. It's no, it's one I, of those. I in, love that movie. It's like it's actually not too poorly done. Let's put it that way. Like and it the, is the, the dumbest the premise value, executed that bad perfectly. Yeah, and some other like crappy movies. Uh, one was like some weird French climbing movie that was also horror because all the equipment kept failing, and it was kind of dumb. But it was French, and then they overdubbed English <laughs> over. Ooh, was yeah. it? Why did you buy all the equipment on Vish.com? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and why did you get everything games. from AliExpress? We played board games, but n- yeah, no kids showed up, even though the apartment in question was actually on ground floor and there was a door that was available for kids. But we also weren't really like we had candy if kids were going to come, but we also didn't really have like pumpkins and like lights that would be like, come here or whatever. But I did hear some friends that lived in like suburban neighborhoods where they're more like the starter neighborhoods with those young families. Um, I had a one of our friends had like 70 kids, they said. 70? Yeah. yeah. Damn. Yeah. That's what happens so, when you're in starter neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. We're all inner city folks, so. Um, I didn't do anything for Halloween specifically. I just had a cast meeting for a production that I recently joined, and that was a lot of fun. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk about any of that? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that? you guys know 
I don't know if you guys know what a cold read is, but it's essentially what happens when all your actors show up and you give them a script they've never seen, never proofread, have no preparation for, and then you just say, okay, now go, and we read, and apparently- So like the podcast. Yes, just like, Very no, like no, not at all like the podcast. Except no, we don't have a script. No, because the podcast, we don't have a script, but we have like, We have like you know, three topics. bullet points. Yes. But we have like zero preparation. We've never seen the script. We don't even know what's happening this episode. I mean, yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, uh, let me you know, let me paraphrase to see if I understood what you told me about it. Okay. Uh, according to what Nancy told me about it, it's basically a way for the studio to not have to hire proofreaders or editors. <laughs> I mean, in some ways, that's not totally incorrect. <laughs> I'm just being um, a shitter. <laughs> I it's not totally incorrect. Um, as an as an actor who's working off of a script, a poorly mm. placed or an incorrectly placed like comma will throw you off every time you do that line. And so, fixing up the script to make it really readable and you know at least have space for you to write your own notes like that's it's it's script writing 101, but it's still really important. For your voice actors, it actually sounds right. super important because, like, some not all, every. How should I word this? For some people, uh, just random punctuation might not make sense to them or might trip them up. So maybe oh, yeah, even if you're making an edit that's not grammatically correct, if it makes it better for the voice actor, maybe that's the right thing to do, right? Absolutely. Like yep, this isn't this isn't just running it through like a grammar going oh there should be a comma here and this should be the Oxford right. comma here and like it's that's not what it is it's it's whatever helps the actors read it's that for line the better. actors interpretation first and foremost whether it makes any sense to anybody else is like a side benefit maybe. <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, even, like, basic tenets of grammar still hold, though, like spelling. If you use of versus off, that's going to throw people off if they're reading the script. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know. If I'm, like, reading uh, a fan fiction or some captioned image or something on screen, or mm -hmm. on stream, I should say, and there is <laughs> a, uh, there's a, a misspelling in there, I go out of my way to emphasize the misspelling. Just so too. that whoever wrote this feels extra Knows. bad, even though they, they have no idea done. who I am and they've never seen me before. They have heard me before, but they used should of instead of should have. And I am never going to let them live this down. No, it's not today. True. It's true. But again, because this is something, this is a production where we're going to have to be like recording our lines and reading a script. It's not a good idea to have stuff like permanently embedded in the script that you're gonna you're gonna just trip people up with. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, I got to read my character for the first time. I think this is the first time she's shown up in the show proper. So it was an interesting uh, introduction slash teaser because I think we're working on the pilot plus a teaser at the moment. Nice. Do you mm -hmm. know when? Um, like. I assume you can't reveal the title or too many working details. That but is do correct. you have an idea of when we could expect to see your production released to the masses? That depends on how much of an episode buffer they expect for when they're releasing. Like you know how when you do like a uh, a serialized comic strip 
that's released online like most most artists will have like a release schedule uh like every saturday or every thursday or every monday wednesday friday and they build up a buffer and then there's just like an automated scheduled release for each one of those strips it -hmm. will be similar to that but i don't know what the buffer is for to take into account a production and like edits uh mm-hmm, b mm-hmm. doing the actual animation it is an animated series and mm-hmm. someone or a team is going to have to go and like animate all of the prelay that we record first and foremost and then however long it takes for them to build probably like a three to four episode buffer maybe unless they really really like unless this production company likes to fly by the seat of their pants then we'll just release episodes as we get them <laughs> but i would assume that the first episode is probably going to be sometime in q1 next year okay cool. we start recording in november so this was just us uh getting a glimpse of our characters uh reading a couple of the introductory pilot scenes and then you know some teaser material in the back <laughs> nice do you like, is that a question that I asked weird? Like, do you get much working details post your involvement? Like, you know, oh, your characters, da-da-da-da-da, and you get to do this. But, like, do they ever l- really bother to let you in on, like, what's an expected re- release date for show or game or commercial or whatever it might be? Or is I... that just not a great question in general? Uh, I think it's different for every production company out there. And animation is very different from like shooting a live action film or or even like a show Mm -hmm. like there's there's definitely a lot more in play because now you have to have people and set and props and you know all of the inner workings of what happens behind the camera when you're filming actual people this is going to be a little bit less resource intensive because we're not film actors Mm -hmm. uh we're just you know giving our voices to an animation but like you know from watching anime animation is a very intensive and long process i think at most actors will expect there will be a release announcement and possibly dates ahead of time like ahead of when those dates would have been made public because Mm -hmm. actors like to have release parties and we like to at least see what happens before it goes out so at the very least i expect to be given a release date for the pilot episode i don't know exactly how much like more scheduled details we would get after that but like Mm -hmm. the pilot episode is absolutely an excuse for launch party absolutely that sounds like a good time and it'll be interesting because when we release i assume covid will still be around and i don't know how we'll manage it other than we'll all just be having a big old party over discord maybe oh of course i mean Yeah. yeah i i can't imagine it going away anytime soon (laughs) <laughs> i wonder why uh, <laughs> speaking of the whole anime thing and there is definitely Man, some very important big news. moves in the anime world yeah mm-hmm. sony making moves making money moves big gears rolling around on crunchy the speed of roll. sound your anime will be brought to you by sony from uh, courtesy of Crunchyroll being purchased by Sony for almost one billion one dollars. billion dollars. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. How has Sony been historically with these kinds of acquisitions? My, the so- only thing I can tell you for sure that I know without any other business knowledge is that sometimes when you watch anime. 
and at the title of the show, it's all like the this show is sponsored by. Sony usually shows up in one of those. They actually uh, do. Company There's names. like Pony Canyon and uh, yeah, and Sony mm-hmm. and a few other co- shows yep. and companies. Uh, so I have to assume. So that I did Sony read the article. Is, Sony is probably not too. Uh, it, like they they're not exactly newbies to the to the whole thing, you know. Uh, it's the distribution side that they're not as huge on. It's not like Sony has a streaming service, but now they do. So and, you know, it's very centric towards their audience. I would say about so that. It's a pretty smart move. So Sony is no stranger to the world of anime at all. Mm-hmm. Yep. It mm-hmm. by no means are they strangers to the world of anime. If we mm-hmm. take a look at the history of Crunchyroll. Uh, Crunchyroll started with a partnership between them and, and like Funimation, right? And then eventually there was the AT&T acquisition or something. I believe that's what caused the uh, the partnership with Funimation to either crumble or just be dissolved or what. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Funimation started their own anime streaming service. And so suddenly there was a lot of stuff on Crunchyroll that was no longer there. It was pulled over to Funimation. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And so that's been the status quo for, I think, a year and a half or two years or something like that. Uh, and now AT&T, looking to consolidate some of their debt, is like, you know what? Let's sell off this anime business. We don't want that anymore. Uh, let's Who let's sell it anime? off to Sony for $1.5 billion. Mm-hmm. And then Sony was like, no, no. No, maybe maybe nine hundred and fifty-seven billion. Let's be reasonable, lads. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that seems to be going through. The exact numbers aren't public, but that seems to be going through. Mm-hmm. Guess who else Sony owns? Um, Funimation. Do they? Yes, I they do. They absolutely do. And so, who knows? Maybe oh. this will be like a return to form for Crunchyroll. Maybe they'll get consolidated. Maybe Sony will keep them separate for reasons unknown. The world of business is is a confusing one, and it's not for right. us to speculate on. It's but true. if I so were it's... a gambling man, and I play Fate Go, so I probably am, <laughs> uh, I would not be surprised if Funimation and Crunchyroll really Reunited. got back together. Makes sense to me, it's, honestly. So it's Sony, not Sony Pictures, right? Uh sony i suppose everything just said sony okay yeah everything that i saw specifically just mentioned sony it wasn't like sony television or sony motion pictures or some other subsidiary specifically but even if it was so here is the thing that's sort of if you go a little bit deeper right so everyone knows disney's a thing and disney plus is a thing therefore um and then they've moved all their like they acquired Fox in the last year, and then they moved all that content over to Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Sony has some very heavy-handed IPs. Um, they still control. Uh, technically, Spider-Man is is one. Yep. Um, and that's absolutely huge, uh, especially in this day and age. Uh, not to mention that. It's not just about movies because the Miles Morales uh, game that's coming out on PS5, that's going to be an exclusive just as the prior Spider-Man game was on PS4. Um, There is a lot of depth to this, and it's not just about a streaming service to anime, but what other content it could possibly develop 
that it already owns IP-wise, such as Spider-Man content might only be found, like if they were going to make a Spider-Man anime or a Spider-Man American TV show, because obviously they're, they can go either side, it's going to be on a Sony streaming service. So Crunchyroll isn't a stranger to streaming live action shows too. Like I know I've seen yes. dramas on there as well. It really wouldn't be outside of their purview to be streaming, you know, Spider-Man shows yeah. or anything else. I feel like if they were to do that, they would put it on VRV. What's that? Uh, people in the audience, correct me if I am wrong. But uh, Crunchyroll on its own has two separate streaming services. There's Crunchyroll itself and then VRV. Uh, VRV is more for the general uh, Asian media content. Uh, right. So whereas like things like Common Rider or, or just uh, things like that would mm-hmm. never be on Crunchyroll because it's more for anime, uh, it could go on VRV. Or you could put oh. K-dramas or things like that. Uh to my understanding, I just realized in the past Go few ahead. years, VRV is actually where a lot of the Crunchyroll development has gone. Right, right. I just realized something. Like, it's it's such an easy connect the dots, but I just, like, it blew my mind for half a second there. Okay. <laughs> PS5 and PS4 and all that stuff, they ha- you have to go on the Sony network, right? Like, you have to buy... Of course. That's... They're probably going to bundle, uh, like, a, like, a Crunchyroll membership to that. Oh, like a PSN plus Crunchyroll subscription? Yeah. yeah and I don't think I anyone else offers that. Like, I remember at one point, like, uh, uh, your Switch or your Wii or something could have Netflix, but that's not mm-hmm. remotely the same thing. What no. was that anime by Studio Bones that was launched exclusively on PlayStation Plus on the PS3? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> that is a trivia question that I could not answer. Uh, I couldn't even imagine. Zammed! That's what it was. Okay. Zammed Lost Memories. Uh, it was okay. It was, it was okay. Fair enough. It, it kind of felt like just Eureka 7, but different. But yeah, that actually is going to be pretty cool. I mean, I'm not exactly a huge fan of Sony, but that's only because they do fall into that proprietary uh, hardware Oh my god, sort is that because you're some Nintendo-old who only likes Nintendo consoles and doesn't like Sony and Xbox? I only I can't want universal you. connectors and chargers and memory yeah, cards. Yeah, same. That's pretty much it. And and Sony doesn't like that. They want to make their own their own mm-hmm. stuff. But yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, sorry, just going back to uh, IPs that Sony owns. They also own Insomniac Games, who made like Sunset Overdrive, Spyro. Wait, um, what? Oh, yeah, Spyro. Oh, yeah. they must have bought Insomniac games after uh, they made they that bought, one They bought game them for in, Xbox. like, 2019. Yes, okay. So, like, very I was recently, like, Sunset Overdrive, that was an Xbox uh, One exclusive. What? <laughs> yeah. No, um, no. Ratchet and Clank is also... They actually... They're shaping up here. Honestly, this move is a pretty good move. Because, like, Sony, as it is... So, if you're not aware... Um, and I can't blame you because not everyone follows things like market uh, uh, penetration, but like Microsoft does not have very strong market penetration in Asia and especially Japan. Uh, It's not that bad in Korea because PC gaming is stronger in Korea, but it's not very strong in Japan either. Like PC gaming and Xbox is 
are rare outside of like uh like they're they're not really at home things they're you can go out to a net cafe and play your games there if you really wanted to that's still a, a very real avenue although coronavirus is another thing but we don't have to talk about that <laughs> that being said Sony really owns a large chunk of that Japanese market. When I say large chunk, like if I had to spitball, I'm guessing 70 to 80%, which is huge. Um, anime the rest being of them what being it is, Nintendo players. Anime being what it is, I would have to assume that this is like all it does is really consolidate their hold in the Asian market plus people who are already invested in the Crunchyroll slash Funimation experience, streaming experience in America and everywhere else around the world, they're getting, you know, if they buy, essentially if they buy a PS5 and they want to go online on the PS5 and they get a Crunchyroll slash whatever anime streaming account, plus all the other things that you can get, like from being a PlayStation online uh, a subscriber, because I know like you got like Fall Guys was free on on, on that recently. That's a really strong play by them that nobody else, like Nintendo won't really penetrate that market because that's not what they're interested into getting into streaming and, and multimedia sort of pickups. I mean, if Nintendo, really tried to get into streaming, if Nintendo tried to get into streaming, uh, they would just have the video come on your Wii or no, Wii. Oh, wow, your, I feel Switch. old on your, your Switch. Switch and then <laughs> no. you'd have to use your phone to get the audio. Ooh, I remember <laughs> that flub. Yikes. Nancy, what I don't you know. Say? It'd basically be the, the Cisco WebEx of anime. Right. Yikes. Yeah, uh, I was just thinking about um, how I don't think Xbox has a whole lot of play in this field either. No. And yeah, that's actually really Extremely good. Extremely smart. Because it's not about the Asian market. They already know where they are at. they're at in the Asian market. They're not really going to drop off. But it's absolutely a play for the American and European markets and anyone who wants to be an anime and waifus and, and Final Fantasy and all that kind of stuff. I mean, is Crunchyroll even much of a thing in Japan? The whole point is like it's it's simulcast and subbed right away for like mostly the Western market. Maybe um, not for Japan, but it's it could be for Korea. It could be for China. It could be for the Philippines, uh, which is a huge market. Uh, mm. uh, it could be for... Australia, like Oceania in general, in general, there's a lot to do with. Is it fair to roll our... Australia into like the Western market? Like, uh, I guess at yes that point, no. I would have to say more like the Anglosphere. Sure. But the <laughs> sure. idea, the the idea here would be that this is the marketing thread for Sony in this scenario, which is buy a PS5, get PS Online, whatever it's called, I can never remember, and get all this other content quote unquote included as they always say even though you are paying for it in some way but mm -hmm. that's really quite interesting because again microsoft doesn't have a foothold in it nintendo doesn't care and when i say microsoft i am saying xbox and pc gaming because you can't really separate them anymore this is really cool. I didn't think it was going to be as uh, as in-depth as it could have gotten because we were like, eh, they bought it for a billion dollars. That's cool and all. But anyways. At the very least, Sony can do so much more with Crun uh, Crunchyroll than AT&T ever could. Or almost any other. Like Even if Microsoft bought it, it would be weird. It wouldn't be as weird, but I think Sony is better positioned for it. 
because well, they have a lot more in the media market as it is like with exactly uh, uh, like the article i read specifically stated that sony with this move wanted to uh expand their content library more than anything yeah they wanted the streaming rights that crunchyroll had over this anime right so kono bangumi wa all your anime are belong to us <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh, speaking of games um yeah. cyberpunk 2077 has been delayed another Month? what three weeks uh month three it's weeks supposed to come out on the 10th three weeks i'm so not supposed to be the sad about weeks. this at all three i'm not sad about First it of like all, i triple of something half-life <laughs> triple confirmed oh my god oh god oh Half-Life god cubed um i'm not sad because i'm still trying to build my computer in time for for it in the first place but i am like people they they, they said a bunch of stuff about crunch that wasn't supposed to happen with CD Projekt Red, and then they got into crunch anyways, and people are understandably upset. The only thing I don't agree with, like, there's no debate on it, is people who are, like, threatening CD Projekt Red people about the delay of the game. That's not cool. Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely the dumbest thing you could do. There's no reason to do that. There's no reason for them to appeal to you anymore as a company, because you are just a bad person. So, Like, anyone... If someone has pre-ordered and they set aside time for it and all of that business, I feel bad for them. But at the same time, like, That's come still on. on them, in a manner of speaking, it's, you know? It's unfortunate. Yeah. If, especially if you took vacation time. But maybe it can be rescheduled. I don't know. Like, for some right. people it will. For some people it won't. Mm-hmm. It sucks. But it's a thing that happens. I'm sorry. That's just it. all it is. Yep. And personally, uh, I prefer that they they release the game when they feel they're ready to release it, than just you know trying to stick to some arbitrary deadline because right. we've already moved it. Now we can't move it anymore, and we need to push this out so people don't get mad at us. No, so no, I would rather that you push this out when it's ready to be released. Yeah. To that, like to that point, it wasn't so. This delay, um, what they're saying is the game's already been. Uh, I think it's called like mastered or like it's in like gold production or something like that. I can't remember the term. I'm sorry. They're trying to uh, polish off the day one patch to my understanding. It's not even that. It's because so Cyberpunk is going to release on PS4, Xbox One, Series X, PS5, uh, and PC. And, I th- and, and Stadia. Maybe and Stadia. Oh yes, Stadia. And, can't Stadia. That. That's still a you. thing that exists. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and because of that, any like they, they're just trying to make sure that the release across the board will be less total crap than if they only develop for like PC or or PS5 or something. You know. Yeah, um, that's the biggest thing. It wasn't necessarily that they're trying. Like, there's gonna be a day one patch. Uh, like, it's it's to be expected. But the whole idea here is that the actual launch itself won't be compromised, even if you have to download a little extra, you know, on the day of, as is to be expected nowadays. They're literally launching for seven platforms. Like, what what can you do? Right. Yeah. Exactly. I feel that this is justified. Yeah, you know, and 
again, there's just no reason to go crazy over like, oh, how dare you uh, push it back a few weeks or whatever, so you so that everybody else can experience this game in the same way I want to experience it. Uh, I will say the only thing that is like a real downer is that they did have to enter crunch. They've been in crunch for a few weeks at this point. We just didn't talk about it before. Weeks, yeah, months, you know, months probably. I mean, weeks transition into months, so yes, many weeks. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I remember the I, announcement that they were entering crunch. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for them. Having no real investment in this game so far, I just found it hilarious how people were digging up all the tweets that they made on their social media about how the last delay was going to be the la- the the only last delay before launch. Yes, and then this happened. Yeah, I don't know. It's like if. I'm sure, like, CD Projekt Red, I don't want to be an apologist for them. I just feel like that this is not just for CD Projekt Red. This is for every major company out there putting out a major product that people want. If they could, if they didn't have to delay it, they wouldn't. But they would also like to be able to produce something worthy for their audiences, number one. Number two, you have to realize that there's a lot more at stake for them than there is like it's there is not it's not just a decision where like oh the game's mostly finished wherever it's like publishers are after them uh like like marketing people like a bunch of folks depend on the dev side to create and finish the product properly but they're also being like well, uh, uh, you know, another game is being released or another major project's coming out and you got to get it out before then or you promised the people so you got to have it done. Uh, release it anyways. Like, there's always pressure. And the bigger you, you know, are, the worse pressure that gets. You know? All things considered, thinking about it, like all the execs, all the all the management types, they wanted your money yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and thank God for Anthem. Showing what happens when execs push out an unfinished product. That's a great point. You because ask, now you every like other that. game dev can be like, do you want us to make Anthem? Do, do you, is this what you want to put out? This is what we're what's going to happen if you don't give us this next three weeks. It's going to be it's going to be Anthem 2077. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's an effective threat. <laughs> that is an effective threat. So, yeah. I don't know. Like, at the end of the day, like I said, I don't really want to... Like, I'm looking forward to Cyberpunk, just as a lot of gamers are. But at the same time, I don't have to like the practice. I hope they could... I wish they could avoid it. I don't want to see it happening uh, in general. It has nothing to do with just them. I just want to see people be treated well for the work that they do. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, I feel like their past announcements should have been uh, far less committal. They should have just been like, you know what? We can guarantee we're coming out before Half Life (laughs) Three. Woof! I don't know, buddy. Cyberpunk's been Cyberpunk's been in development for a long time. That's more than can be said about Half Life Three. That's true. But yeah, I don't know. I think Half Life Three been on the on the floor for longer than twenty seventy seven's been in development. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How long? How long has twenty seventy seven been in development for again? I want to say seven, maybe eight years. That's fine. Final Fantasy fifteen was in development for like fifteen years. Totally fine. <laughs> that's yeah. how they. That's how. That's how they actually name their titles. It's not. Everyone thinks it's in sequence, but the first Final Fantasy only took one year. 
to make you understand. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't Final Fantasy like uh, the studio's last ditch attempt to save themselves from bankruptcy? It was. Well, I'm really glad they're not saving themselves from bankruptcy anymore. Uh, I'm I'm actually looking up the dev cycle. I I said seven years. I want to say that's right, but maybe not. I mean, that's like half a Duke Nukem forever. (laughs) And we know how well that game was. Uh, yeah. Uh, Duke Nukem Forever, another disappointment. Aww. Would it would it be fair to say that Duke Nukem Forever or Anthem was the largest gaming disaster since Atari for the twenty six hundred, or not uh, since ET for the Atari twenty six hundred? I was gonna say right, I had I, an Atari twenty six hundred. First of all, I had an Atari twenty six hundred. It was my first console ever. I remember it more have mainly ET? because of the controller. No, I don't think so. But I was going to say, like, don't crap on the whole console. It was a no, no, no. console. No, oh, no, no. I am not crapping on the console. I completely misspoke because my brain works faster than my mouth does, usually. Uh, by the way, it was six years. Tell me about it. It's 2016. But I would, also, I would argue that it, it officially pre-production was six years for uh, Cyberpunk, but... If you're talking about the real, like the 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 real pre-talks before even pre-production, it's probably one or two years before that. That's actually pretty fair as far as like a a large AAA game goes. Like that's actually a lot more development time than most games get, while yeah. still being a, a realistic development cycle. I think, but also not. You have to remember that CD Projekt Red is not the biggest studio out there either. They're actually, of course, despite the fact that I love their work. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what were we talking about? We were talking about Nancy's e. experience with Star Trek Discovery. Yes. I don't want to say anything that spoils for anybody, particularly if you haven't been keeping up with the show or if you just haven't started watching the new season. There's only but two I will things say I know about Star Trek am... Discovery. Sorry? There's only two things I know about Star Trek Discovery, so there's no way you're going to ruin it. Oh, wait, maybe I'm thinking about Picard. Oh, well, that's nothing. They don't have Picard in, in Star Trek <laughs> Discovery, do they? Yeah, it's a different show entirely. That Wait, was, different uh, show, different time period. Where did Seven of Nine show up just now? Which, uh, which That series? was in Picard. That was in Picard as well? I know nothing yes. about Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> Same. Okay. Uh, to prevent any kind of spoilers, I've Star spoiled. Trek Discovery's most recent season has been a significantly better written I feel, than the previous seasons. Um, I feel like the previous seasons really tried to shoehorn it into something that I don't think they needed to shoehorn it into, and mm-hmm. I'm really glad that they're growing from that. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Fun fact. That show is shot in Tirana. Tirana? Tirana. I thought it was shot in space. Toronto is space. Because oh, Earth... Toronto's just like the other end of the 401. It's the worst no, place you could go. The Earth is on space. Toronto oh, is on here's Earth. Here's the thing. Earth is in space. Therefore, Toronto is space. You know how I know that space is better than Toronto? Because there ain't no 401 in space. Fuck the 401. I gotta say, driving the 401 is really stressful. It's why, horrible. Why were you there? Yeah, why I've, were you I've there? Visited, well, I visited Toronto in the past to go visit family and stuff. So the oh, 401 okay. is... Yeah, fuck the 401. Familiar-ish. But I, like... I, I had to live yeah. the 401. 
I have I have something else to contribute about sort of like the GTA in general and like it has to do with like the highways and stuff but it has nothing to do with any of the previous topics. <laughs> oh. But it was really interesting to me. Oh. Uh in Toronto there was a woman who was a she was a lawyer and an insurance company, car insurance company, hired her to investigate tow trucks in the Toronto area. Because it turns out there was a scam going on by, quote-unquote, a tow truck mafia in what? Toronto and the GTA area. Because obviously it's high traffic and there's a lot of, bus- like, where there's a lot of road, there's probably a lot of busted cars. And the general gist of it was that people who worked at tow truck companies would go in and tow your vehicle. This is, by the way, this is, as far as I could tell, it it didn't really affect the consumer that much, like the the car owner, for example. But Hmm. this person was hired to investigate the tow truck mafia who would go pick up the busted cars, damaged vehicles, or whatever. They would then take them to unscrupulous mechanics of some sort who were also part of this and then they would tally up the damage and then add some more money to that tally some more then submit it to the insurance company and because the insurance companies don't have a lot of ways to verify that information they just had to take it at face value for years and basically pay out this money to the mechanic who did the work and the tow truck operator who got the cars to the mechanics. And it got so crazy that they, that the lady that I was talking about, the lawyer who did the investigation, had to mm-hmm. get... Uh, she, she had to become part of like a, a, a witness protection program. She had to shut down her business, her, her, her practice, because the tow truck mafia were actually threatening her and her co-workers with like death threats and like actual like drive-by shootings and stuff dear god and that is your interesting fact of the day look it up on google you can write toronto mafia tow truck or some other combination of those four words and i'm sure you'll get the full story but that is the gist of it and i read that earlier today and i didn't think that's the kind of that's the kind of psychopathic driver that the 401 breeds right there, I tell you what. <laughs> Jeez. That's almost as interesting as the weird uh, counterfeit. Yeah, counterfeit deep dish pizza here in Calgary. What? Yeah. I can we talk about thing. that next time? Can, okay, can we save let's... that topic? Because I, yes. I need to know more about this. Sure. Yes, we absolutely can. But yes, that is that's also amazing because I live between two deep dish pizza places downtown here so i'd love to know more about it uh okay next time that can the be next done. episode of the odafest podcast anyways thank you again for listening uh thank you for supporting our extra live stream again if you want to uh donate uh while we're offline you can just go to odafest.com slash extra life it was great to uh be on the podcast again and get great to talk about extra life and all the other fun things like a tow truck mafia thanks everybody good night everybody good night <laughs>